Welcome to Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. What well, is so good to see you here this morning. Welcome to those online as we dive in deeper. And, and as we do that today, I, I want to bring us back to Christmas real quick. It was just a couple weeks ago. Remember that? Christmas, being with your family, friends, gifts, and all of that. Well, um, there is one theme at Christmas that we really can't ignore. Uh, we sing it uh, many times at Christmas. You've heard it before, right? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Well, today I want to ask you the question, has joy come to you? Do you have joy? We, we hear about that word, but do you possess it? And if not, do you know someone else who does? I want you to think about that because according to the COVID response tracking study, which is, was conducted by the National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago, the answer to both questions, whether you possess joy or you know someone else who does, is most likely no. Think about this. The study found that just 14% of American adults say they're happy. 14%. That's down from 31% who stated they were happy back in 2018. So COVID has made quite an impact. And even so, as you're going to work and kind of talking to neighbors and doing everything, there's a lot of people trying to present themselves to others as if they have joy. Right? Some try to present like, like everything's going just great. It's never been better. Others are exaggerating how busy they are and attempt to kind of make other people think, boy, we really got something going. But despite, despite it all, the result has been a decreased level of internal joy. And think about this, because you see, if there's one thing that's despised by our current culture, it's the lack of authenticity. In fact, some people describe an inauthentic person as being shallow. So shallow implies hypocrisy, depth implies substance. And that's why a coach will try to develop a deep bench, right? It's why a philosopher will try to think deep thoughts. Or a sports fan will want their favorite team to go deep into the playoffs. And when each one of us has reached the end of our life here on this earth, each one of us want to be known by others as living a deep life filled with meaning, purpose, and what? Joy. Today, I want to ask, are we on the road that will lead us there? Are we? You see, in order to help people answer that question for themselves, Jesus talked about roads. He did. He talked about paths that we would take. In fact, in light of the culture he was in, you know, he would, he would use other metaphors to help people understand what he was trying to get at. For example, in John chapter 15, Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. And he tells his followers that if they want to live deep, significant lives, then they as branches need to be rooted in him, the vine. Why? Well, he says this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. When you stop to think about it, perhaps one key reason why so many people are reporting a lack of happiness in their life is because their lives are rooted in something else or someone else. They're not rooted in him. For example, if you were to go out after the service today, uh, you know, get your umbrella out or whatever, and go into Mason or downtown Cincinnati, and you were to ask people on the street, who is Jesus Christ? 
You're more like, you know, they're going to hear people say, well, he's one of the best people who ever lived. He's a great moral teacher. He's the founder of Christianity. But not many would say that Jesus is their foundation and that their life is deeply rooted in him. And if we're really going to be honest, and let's do that here today, the same could be said for many people who profess to be Christians. After all, other studies out there show that still just under 50% of people in our country say that they are Christian. And yet only 14% of all Americans say they're happy. That means many Christians struggle with a lack of joy as well. And so I want to remind us here today, John wants to remind us that this saying still holds true. No Jesus, no joy. No Jesus, no joy. And this is what the beginning of 1 John is, is all about. In fact, when John sat down to write 1 John under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the Christian church at that time was like 60 years old. Most everyone who had seen Jesus or walked with him, they had died. And so the believers to whom John was writing, they were second generation Christians. And so void of any first hand witnesses, except for John himself, all these other ideas about Jesus, who he was, began to emerge. And this led to all kinds of false teachers out there who tried to call people away. And they would say, you know what, we know what the real truth is about Jesus. And they were deceptive. And so in the midst of all the confusion, John's writing in a world where some Christians had taken steps to, to be rooted in something else or someone else. They weren't rooted deeply in Christ. And the result was no joy. So what about us? We're further removed than that, right? You might say that generations have passed since Christ has rose from the dead. And I think as a result, there's a lot of confusion about who Jesus is. In our world today, open theism, I don't know if you've heard about that before, it's growing more popular, it's challenging God's authority and sovereignty. Progressive Christianity, we've talked about that before, has redefined almost every theological term in order to make them mean what they have never meant. And certain aspects of the social justice movement out there have altered Christ's mission from dying for the sins of mankind to merely meeting the physical needs of mankind. So how do we know who the real Jesus is? I think our answer to that question is essential because it's only by being deeply attached to him, deeply rooted in him, that we're gonna know true joy. And so our study of 1 John is very timely. Even though we live in a different culture, 2,000 years later, our cultures are very much the same. Just like many people back then, some people today have redefined Jesus in order to serve their own purposes. In fact, it's happening all the time. A couple months ago, I was asked to go downtown and, uh, and share some time with a college student. They had had a, you know, their, their life had been about Christ, about Christianity, but they wanted to meet with me. And so as we talked, I asked some questions. I wasn't sure why they wanted to meet with me. And so I'm, I'm asking. And it, it came out that, you know, they were struggling with God. You know, because God, they said, was just so judgmental. You know, just so angry. But they said, Jesus... They're still, you know, Jesus is okay because they said, and these were their words, Jesus is kind of like the Santa Claus face of God. You know, Jesus is fine with whatever we choose to do. He's going to love me no matter what. He's going to give me whatever kind of I want. So they really liked Jesus because he was the Santa Claus face of God. 
And when I talked to them about who Jesus was, it was very different than Santa Claus. They kind of looked at me stone cold. So we have the Santa Claus version of Jesus. And if you look very far out there, you're going to find the tolerant Jesus that's out there that some people talk about. Certainly the social justice Jesus that's out there. And then there's the genie in a lamp Jesus. You know what? I just give a wish. He's supposed to grant it. Or the he'll bless whatever I choose to do Jesus. Or this is really popular today. He's going to bless whatever I choose to say Jesus. I mean, there's all kinds of different Jesuses out there. And so our culture is basically saying, will the real Jesus please stand up? But he already has. And he already is. We just keep redefining him. Are you redefining him? It's in light of all this confusion. That's exactly what's going on back then. John, he omits any kind of opening salutation. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't say a bunch of nice words and then get to the point. He just gets right to the point because it's so essential. It's so important. He wants the readers to understand that Christianity, it is not a system of thought. Christianity is the person, Jesus Christ, who was sent from God and revealed to us. And he's saying, you know what, make sure you're serving him and him only or your joy will never be complete. And then John he makes clear that this revelation of Jesus Christ was not a recent event. In fact, this revelation goes all the way back before the foundation of the world. And that's why the very first words, he says, that which was from the beginning. He's talking about Jesus. And by writing this phrase at the very beginning of 1 John, John points to a similar phrase that he writes at the beginning of his gospel. So John 1.1 is this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So John is telling us that long before Jesus was revealed to us physically on this earth, he was revealed to us through his role in creating everything. And by doing this, John is partnering 1 John 1 with John 1, 1, and all the way back to Genesis 1, 1, where it states, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So now in his epistle, John builds upon this theme in the very next verse then, and he tells us that we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father. As Jesus said, I and the Father are one. We're one. So John is telling us that if you're confused about Jesus, if you're lacking joy in your life, well, the real Jesus is validated by creation. By creation. And John is saying you're gonna have little joy in your life when living apart from the very one who made you and loves you. But we sure do try, don't we? We try. We try to do it alone. And that's why, due to the fallen state of creation, which resulted from Adam's sin, John wrote in the gospel, he said, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And when you stop to think about it, Jesus declared his grace and truth largely by what he taught. It's why John, he writes this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. So the real Jesus is validated by creation. And now John is saying the real Jesus is validated by his teaching. In fact, not only John heard Jesus teach, thousands heard him teach. And were they impressed? Well, Mark writes in this gospel, the people were amazed at his teaching. Because he's taught them as one who had authority. 
So John is saying to us, you're gonna have little joy in your life when not living under the authority of what Jesus taught. A lot of people want Jesus to bless what they say. They don't wanna live under the blessing of what Jesus says. When we do that, we're not gonna have joy. That's why many people try to live apart from him. But even those who've tried, in fact, even back in the days of the first century, even those who were enemies of Christ, we find, were still amazed at the things that Jesus said. In fact, that's why they said, no one ever spoke the way this man does. So I'm not gonna live under your authority, but boy, what you say is pretty powerful. Hmm. And that's why through the years, like over the past 20 years or more, when I would meet with somebody who was struggling with their faith, say, you know what, Jesus, I, I don't know, I'm not sure about him, is that for real? You know what, I say, you know what, how about just doing this? How about just doing what Jesus said for a while and then see how much joy that brings you? Live under his authority for a while and maybe that'll bring you to the next step of actually following him. And I'll say, you know, for, for example, it was Jesus who said, do to others as you would have them do to you. So then imagine the joy you would experience by showing others the same level of honor you desire for yourself. That's joy. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Or Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So imagine the joy you would experience when living free from bitterness and free from all the control that other person has on you. Or Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. So imagine the joy you would experience when trusting Jesus for today, because you know who holds tomorrow. And Jesus said, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And that might be hard, but imagine the joy you would experience by refusing to respond in the same awful manner that person just treated you. You'll live with no regrets. That's called joy. And it was Jesus who said, let him who without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. So imagine the joy you would experience by refusing to project your own sin patterns on someone else. And I could go on and on and on. Let me ask you, which one of Christ's teachings has most impacted you? Which of Christ's teachings have you really embraced or are you embracing right now so the real Jesus is validated by creation he's validated by his teaching and then John adds that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes so John writes here of how Jesus lived before others in fact he did things that were inescapable people noticed them and what he's referring to is here is this, that the real Jesus is validated by his miracles. In fact, in the Muslim faith, when you talk to somebody, many times, they're Muslim, they are fascinated with Jesus because of his miracles. They want to know more about this Jesus. They feel like, boy, the Quran is just not telling us everything that there is. Tell us more because the real Jesus is validated by his miracles. And there were many. Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus fed the 5,000, he walked on water, he healed a blind man, and he raised the dead in front of a host of witnesses. In fact, there's like 35 miracles recorded in four gospels, but they don't describe everything that Jesus did. It's why John tells us, he says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. 
And yet of all the miracles that Jesus has done, the one that still cannot be ignored today is when he takes someone's broken life, responds to their cry for forgiveness, and then transforms that person from the inside out. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. So John is saying this, you're gonna experience little joy when living apart from the miracle that Jesus can do in and through you. But some sure have tried. And I'd ask today, is that someone you? Know about him, heard about him, kind of great things that he said, great things that he did, but are you following him? Are you following him? Right here in this place and online, if you just would close your eyes and if you're struggling with that and you're not sure where you stand with him, maybe you'd say, oh, Jesus, thank you that you love me despite me. Jesus, thank you for coming for me and dying on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for taking my sin upon yourself and dying in my place. And Lord, I thank you for rising again so that I can have life only in you. Lord, forgive me. It's my desire to follow you and love you all the days of my life. I want to be a child of God. Thank you, Lord. It's called a prayer of confession. And so the real Jesus is validated by creation. The real Jesus is validated by his teaching. The real Jesus is validated by his miracles. And then John adds this. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. What's he talking about? Well, in his own gospel, he writes this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten. In fact, the apostle Peter put it this way. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You see, while Jesus was born and came as a servant, he rose as a king. And that's why John adds these words, and our hands have touched, because he's referring back to something that Jesus said to him and the other disciples after Jesus rose from the dead. In Luke 24, he said, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And so the real Jesus is validated by creation. He's validated by his teaching. He's validated by his miracles. And now John says the real Jesus is validated by his resurrection. And John is not writing here of a metaphorical resurrection. And this is very popular in our culture today. People say, well, the Bible's not talking about the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead. What the Bible's actually talking about is that, you know, if you follow Jesus and do some of the things he says, there'll be a rise of hope within you. That's the resurrection the Bible's talking about. Well, all you got to do is just read some of the verses in the Bible to see that's not what the Bible is talking about. That's called deceit. No, this is talking about a real resurrection that was validated in front of a host of witnesses. In that day, it was still popular, this kind of notion back then. So the apostle Paul kind of entered into the conversation. And he says, and if Christ has not been raised, 
Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. It's that essential. And so in light of that, I just want to ask you, since Christ's resurrection is so essential, who could you invite to join you on Easter Sunday that's coming up a few months from now? Who's at your workplace, on your street, and your family? It's one of the key times of entrance into the Christian faith. Who could you invite? You see, the validity of Jesus Christ, the validity of the gospel stands upon the truth that Jesus Christ is alive and well and that he's not in the grave any longer. And this is why John adds these powerful words. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So John is telling us that Jesus was revealed to people, of course, physically and objectively and historically. But Jesus is also revealed to us spiritually in a way that's everlasting. He's saying, you know what? You're living your life. You want joy in your life? Well, you're going to experience little joy when living apart from Christ's resurrection power. Are you rooted in him? Because many people try to do their life by themselves. That's why John's not quite done here. He's trying to explain who Jesus is and how he's actively at work today. He's saying, oh, hear me. The real Jesus is validated by creation, by his teaching, by his miracles, by his resurrection. And now John adds something that really relates to all of us right here in this room. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying the real Jesus is validated by our fellowship, our community. Fellowship, the Greek is koinonia. It means to share something in common, but it's deep. It's a real conviction to one another. It's, it's almost unbreakable, right? That's the fellowship that he's talking about. Jesus talked about this too. He says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I find it interesting. He says, he didn't say, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you share your opinions with one another. You know, if you share your judgments with one another. If you have love for one another. Because our love for one another that's rooted in him guides everything we do and everything that we say. This is the community he's talking about. In fact, when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and our leader, our new life in him then is two-dimensional. We have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with one another. It's why, for example, we're offering Meet the Pastors today. It's after this service, and if you're new here, been coming for a while, I want to encourage you to join us. It's free lunch on us right afterwards in the powerhouse. You can go to the Welcome Center and, and find out more, but we want you to join us. Find out who we are. Ask any question that you have. We want to know you. We want you to know, know more about the fellowship here at MCC. It's that important, our devotion to one another. Because John is saying this, you're going to find little joy when living apart from Christ-centered community. But many people try. Many Christians try. In fact, it's become even more popular due to COVID and everything. It's given, for, for sure, real reasons to, to watch out for your safety and stay at home. 
And then it's given other Christians time to go, you know what, I kind of like it here. I kind of like doing my life by myself. I can, it's just you know, Jesus and me and my cup of coffee when I want it. And, and we can get really, really comfortable on our own, except for what? The result is what? Depression, loneliness, and only 14% of Americans that say they're even happy. That means an even smaller percentage of Christians. We were not designed to do life by ourselves. We're designed for community. Are you in a group? You can join us today. I encourage you to dive into community. And how about you? You and Jesus. Has the real Jesus stood up in your own life? Are you following him? Loving him? Pursuing him? Or have you fallen prey to the tolerant Jesus that's out there? Or the social justice Jesus? Or the genie in the lamp Jesus? Or he'll bless whatever I choose to do Jesus? It's interesting because it seems like Jesus then works for us. Jesus says, come follow me. Come follow me. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Friends, we gotta be careful in our society today because there are so many different voices, it can get confusing. And I just wanna warn us because these alternative views of Jesus, they have two things in common. First of all, they don't bring true joy. They never will. Secondly, because counterfeits never satisfy. They never do. A counterfeit relationship doesn't feel good. A counterfeit experience feels like you're robbed. A counterfeit internet search, boy, that doesn't feel good the next morning. And a counterfeit life built on debt and not reality is gonna lead you to a place of no joy. Counterfeits will never satisfy. John is trying to get us to understand something. Saying true Christianity is rooted in revelation of Jesus realized in community with each other and reveals a deep joy. It reveals a deep joy. In fact, John tells us that when our lives are transformed by the real Jesus and we live in a real community, there's gonna be a real outcome. It's why he says in verse four, here's the outcome. Our joy may be complete. Not just a partial sense of joy, a complete joy that's rooted in Christ in community, and joy is the outcome. A verse I want us to think about this week, it's a simple memory verse. Take a look at the side screen. It's verse four. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Will you say that with me? We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Why? Because true Christianity is rooted in revelation, realized in community, and reveals a deep you pray with me, dear Father, we thank you for your incredible love for us. A love so great that you would send your only son to die in our place so that we can know life and salvation and can have a relationship with you where we are called your sons and your daughters. So Lord, I pray for all of us that's watching online here in this room and for myself that we will not fall prey to all these other versions of Jesus. Jesus, that we will love you, that we'll follow you, we'll devote ourselves to you, and we'll live under your authority and what you've taught. 
And Lord, that the same love that you give us, that we would extend to one another and the world will see and they will know who you are by our community. Lord, you paid it all. You did all the work for us so we could have a relationship with you and we thank you and we praise you. Lord, may our hearts be devoted to you and you only. Jesus. Stand with us.
Jesus faded all, all to him And sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow As you walk out these doors in just a few moments, please know that this world out there awaits you. It offers you many different options of things to love. It offers many different things it wants you to trust in. Friends, be devoted to Christ. Make him the center of your life. Don't buy what this world is selling because it will never satisfy. You will never know joy unless you know him. So share him as well. Wherever you go, you have an opportunity to share him at work and on the street and with your family and share his love, the love of Jesus Christ. So as you go, may, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. See you next weekend. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.